0: Place the Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's the Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County.
1: The Truman Show is on the air.
0: The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adam's Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County.
2: My old buddy Greg Tucker. We're, all, we're getting to be almost like brothers, aren't we? we kind of feel that way sometimes.
3: Uh, we've been accused of looking like. We might be brothers.
2: Yeah, and I know that always aggravates you. It makes
3: you mad. <laughs> yeah, 'cause uh they always can't tell who's the oldest. That's kinda aggravating.
2: <laughs> I think they could probably tell who's the oldest. Uh, you know, I was thinking about Bill Allen yesterday, and I bet you know
3: why. Oh yeah, yesterday was uh, anniversary of D Day.
2: 77th anniversary. Can you believe it? It just doesn't seem possible.
3: And we're down to just a few that were there and remember.
2: Yeah, and Bill's still with us. Yeah, still pretty. He's active. I mean, um, he's well beyond the 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 time period that I think that I will get there. I mean, he's he's really amazing, and uh, I'm just so. Happy to know Bill Allen and, and all that he's done for us. And he's he's a true patriot and, a, and one of our people that uh, he was willing to be right there on the front line when D-Day happened. And, of course, his ship went down, but uh, uh, he was there with all the people that uh, that was a very important day. I guess it was the uh, largest invasion ever. Uh, I know by the United States and all the others that took part in it, too. Canada
3: and Great Britain. It's interesting, two factors that uh, recently I read something on. One was the role that the weather played in the invasion and how it almost didn't happen because of the weather and the... Uh, weather expert that Eisenhower relied on literally kept right there with him day-to-day basis as they approached the time they wanted to make the invasion and the other uh, interesting story or the many many interesting stories but another one is the deception that they uh, had the Germans convinced that the invasion which was inevitable but it was going to happen somewhere else, at a other beach location north of Normandy. And uh, the British had succeeded in turning these German spies so that the German, the spies the Germans thought were working for them in Britain were actually working for the British intelligence. And they used them not so much to gather information but to disseminate false information. So between some physical deception, uh, setting up dummy landing craft and such as that, and the uh, misinformation being put out by these double agents, the Germans really believed it was going to happen somewhere else. And uh, that doesn't mean that they weren't Heavily fortified all along the coast, which we know they were, but they were expecting it somewhere else.
2: And the weather was an enemy of ours when it happened. Oh, yeah. We lost so many of our people that actually drowned trying to get to the shore.
3: Right. And uh, Eisenhower, I think, till his death, still worried had it been the right decision based on the weather.
2: Goodness, that uh, the the number one military leader for uh, Germany was Hitler himself. Yeah. And uh, all right, guys. For me, you want me to switch? All right, I'm gonna switch mic.
3: Technical difficulties apparently.
2: I think yours is okay. <laughs> Adams Place is a premier senior living facility in Murfreesboro offering independent living, assisted living, memory care, health care center, and on-site rehabilitation. Call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Enjoy gentle joint exercise in the indoor pool, our soda shop, and many planned activities and trips for every taste. Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard. Need a break
4: from the sound bites and the talking heads? Do you want information you can actually use? Information that'll change your life for the better? Then listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell will show you how to retire in two to five years. Your age doesn't matter. Turn off the pundits and turn on the passive income. Tune in to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show, Monday through Saturday, 11 to noon, right here on News Radio WGNS.
0: From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSradio.com.
2: And welcome back with Greg Tucker. And uh, I have switched mics, and I hope people can hear me out there. Uh, I will know in a couple of seconds, I hope.
3: Well, they cut to a commercial, so let me do my commercial. Uh,
2: you have a commercial?
3: Well, yeah, uh, a public, public, what do they call them, public information, public service commercial. Yeah. Uh, this is the second week of the uh, 2021 term of the County Board of Equalization. Yeah. That's the appeal board that hears uh, from citizens who feel like they're Property appraisal, which is the basis for property tax, Mm -hmm. is is not reasonable or uh, is not fair or is incorrect. And uh, we will I serve on that committee or that board. And uh, the board will continue meeting through this week. Friday will be the last day. We had no appeals scheduled for today, fortunately. Uh, there are some scheduled tomorrow, but if someone wants to get on the schedule, they need, I'd say, by the end of the day tomorrow to contact the property assessor's office and get on the schedule. And uh, if all you want to do is come in and complain about the pandemic and how it hurts you, don't bother uh, because that's not, uh, that's not the type of uh, information that will make a difference in the property appraisal.
2: But, now, how uh, does it, that affect the taxes? How does what uh, property taxes? Go, go, the the board of equalization.
3: Well, if uh, we hear evidence sufficient to uh, convince us that there is not a a uh, fair appraisal, we change it, mm-hmm. and that usually, of course, means it will lower the appraisal. Uh, that's the authority of the board uh very often though particularly in commercial cases we uh, don't agree with the complaining party mm-hmm. and uh, but they have to come before this board before they can go to the state level for an appeal
2: and uh, are most of these uh, people that like me that have normal that would have a uh, a home or uh, maybe a farm or something like that it it or most of these would be in the commercial level of, and have people come in and, and actually try to uh, represent someone else as far as the, uh, well, and the and taxes are and concerned. in an
3: appraisal year, it's called, uh, and next year will be an appraisal year when all the property in the county is reappraised, mm-hmm. uh, then we see a lot of... Uh, Private property owners, those yeah. representing their themselves, speaking of their residents, their residential property, most common. This year, we see very few of those because mm-hmm. the uh, properties have not been reappraised since 2018. So most of them are still dealing with the 2018 January 2018 value. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, activity this year in the last couple of years is mostly commercial. Mm-hmm. Uh, where uh, the argument can be made on the basis of their operating income uh, as to what the property is worth, mm-hmm. uh, particularly since in commercial, almost always the improvements to the property, the structures and such, are the, by far the bigger part of the value, those things that are used in the conducting the business. Mm-hmm. So that's what we've been hearing mostly this time around.
2: Now, next year, when the property is reappraised, um, does it really affect the property tax rate that much? Because uh, there are so many things that are involved, with, especially when it goes back into the, the county commissioners making decisions.
3: Well, the appraisals project, what the property tax income will be mm-hmm. for the county, uh, but the appraisal doesn't have anything to do with the tax rate except in that way. Uh, the tax rate be set by the commission based upon the budget requirements of the county yeah. and what they anticipate from the various sources of tax income the county has. Uh, the property tax, course, is substantially a uh, large part of the tax income for the county but there are other sources that have to be considered as well
2: well the property assessor uh, he has people that actually go out and when they evaluate the property does the property around it as the uh, maybe uh, new houses are being built and and very similar to other houses that have been there a while um does, does that really we've, – we've seen the cost of, of homes just spiraling with larger homes and, and maybe uh, the uh, areas where they're being built. How much does that uh, affect the other homes that are there that have been there many, many years and their property value has, is really much less at that particular time than the ones that are being built?
3: Well, looking at comparable properties is the best and maybe the easiest way to estimate a property value. Mm-hmm. The argument will be what is comparable. And when you're looking at a pre-existing home that's been built up around with new homes, uh, you can make an argument that the new homes are not comparable. You need to find the uh, similar uh, property situation that Mm -hmm. you can compare it to. But that's a lot of what we struggle with, is who's comparables. I mean, I have one set of comparables. You may have another set of what you say are comparable priorities. Mm -hmm. And uh, the board and the the professional appraisers have to determine which is the better comparisons. Uh, Another one that I always look for is recent sales. If uh, your property has recently sold, is the price that was paid the fair market value that we ought to use, or were there other things going on that uh, would make that not actually a fair market value, even though it may have been a, a sale? could have been a distressed sale. could have been a sale among related parties. There, there are different circumstances.
2: Well, if there's other people like... Uh, like you, you've you've put in a lot of work out at your farm, um, at morning.
3: <laughs> Actually, it's kind of a rundown, uh, distressed area out there. So it's anyway. I, I've done my commercial.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I love it.
3: Every once in a while, as I pursue my hobby of exploring old uh, documentation yes. such of the history of our county I come across something that uh, is a surprise that I don't have never heard of before. And uh, I've got a news clipping here from I believe in the late 1940s uh, that talks about speed cops. And knowing you've got a little bit of a background in law enforcement, I thought maybe you could tell me in this time period in Murfreesboro, what is a speed cop as compared to the policeman?
2: That What you're relating to me is something that I have never heard of in my life. Evidently, it was easy to get appointments for people to take care of certain situations back then (laughs) that didn't re- relate to any type of training or anything like that. It, it, I I think JPs are in there, the Justice of the Peace that you had mentioned earlier. And uh, uh, most of those things have, are not even around or can't be around anymore. And I've never heard of it.
3: Well, the article does uh, talk about the Justice of the Peace uh, I- issuing a warrant. And that's how I began to date it because the clippings out of a scrapbook and does not have a date on it. But we know the justice of the peace uh, judicial activity ended in about 1949, 1950 with the creation of the General Sessions Court. So, but some of the names also caught my attention. Uh, it, the article relates an incident where a local citizen was stopped for speeding but if I read it correctly he was stopped when one of the speed cops fired a bullet into his tire and forced him to stop which makes it seem like maybe he was uh, not cooperating but uh, the names of the two speed cops uh, George Robertson uh, not familiar to me but the other one is B.B. Qualls Uh, apparently known as Buck Qualls, and it even recites in the paper that the warrant on Qualls, who is also the city fire chief, and we know, you recall, that uh, Buck Qualls was at least back in the 50s, and I'm assuming that probably he was appointed sometime in the late 1940s. Uh, But also the name of the uh, individual who swore out the warrant in the timing involved uh, Mr. W.F. Benson mm-hmm. and I think you confirmed this morning that uh, his nickname was Doc yeah. Doc Benson and any of us who remember politics back in the period we're talking about uh, on up to what, 60's yeah. Doc had quite a bit of sway there
2: in the 70's, yeah
3: even in the 70's mm-hmm. uh, and I wonder how much uh, ego was involved here because what happened is uh, Benson, who later uh, acknowledged that he was speeding, apparently didn't pull over when the speed cops uh, called on him to to pull over.
2: Were they in a car that could have been? Um...
3: And that's not real clear. And, uh, that's not real clear yeah. whether he was passing them. But Robertson apparently felt that it was appropriate to stop him. And did so by blowing out a tire.
2: Uh, uh, but was that a law enforcement uh, vehicle inside the city or whatever? I'm and I'm sure they didn't have.
3: Uh, well, did the speed the speed cops must have had some kind, and maybe they used their private vehicles?
2: Uh, I know they did at the, at the sheriff's office back yeah, in those days.
3: But there was always some marking that was put on the vehicle. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Well, the speed cops stopped Mr. Benson, and. Uh, and apparently cited him for speeding. Mm-hmm. And, but he took exception and filed a complaint against the two of the officers for assault, uh, shooting out a tire, probably classifies as an assault.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Would he complain to the JPs? He took it JP? to
3: the lower court, which at that time was under the Justice of the Peace, another familiar name, uh, J.P. Stockard. Is the one who issued the warrants. Uh, Apparently, as I said, there was a uh, trial set, but it wasn't set until several months after the incident. And uh, Benson's explanation was he hoped that the authorities would step in and sanction the officers. Um, But since that didn't happen, at least didn't happen quick enough for Benson, he filed a lawsuit. Apparently the uh, matter was resolved before it was ever uh, adjudicated. Uh,
2: you sure you didn't get that off of an Andy Griffith show.
3: <laughs> it Andy sounds, and Barney.
2: That's sound like like
3: outright. Citizens
2: there, arrest, maybe.
3: If there's anybody out there who remembers when we had Speed Cops or remembers Buck Qualt, not a lot of a lot of A lot of people remember Buck Qualt, yeah. yeah. Uh, and ever heard him talk about his experience as a speed cop would be interesting. I'd like to hear from you. I'd love to be able to track that.
2: Now, what, what paper did you get that out of?
3: Uh, this is the Daily News Journal. Huh. But as I said, it's I found it in a scrapbook uh, kept by a local resident who did not date the clippings that uh, they put in the scrapbook. Mm -hmm. So we had to figure out the the approximate date based upon what was going on. So my conclusion is sometime in the late 40s we had a quasi-law enforcement activity called speed cops.
2: I'd like to know, (laughs) there were police chiefs back then. And and I wonder who who who, were, well, now, how many, who had the authority to appoint speed cops.
3: That's a good question. Who? Uh, how many police? How many city policemen were there in the early 1950s? There
2: there weren't that many, there believe weren't me. That
3: many? I'm thinking there was less than five. Uh, there was a police now, chief. No, there's
2: more than that. But uh, I remember uh, when. I went to work at the sheriff's department in uh, in the uh, in, in '72. I think we only had about uh, a total, including everybody, was about 18. I think that's right.
3: In the sheriff's department. Yeah,
2: and that was including everything: yeah. dispatch, patrol officers.
3: Well, I know that. Uh, Let,
2: let's take a quick break. Uh, another one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: How are you feeling today? More than an empty question, it's a real reminder to reach out to coworkers, friends, family, and neighbors. Remind them to get the care they need. Someone you know may be delaying important emergency care, chronic care, or emotional care. At Ascension St. Thomas, appointments are available now with strict precautions in place for your safety and our care. Ask about virtual visits. ERs at Ascension St. Thomas hospitals are open 24 seven. Get the care you need at getsthealthcare.com.
0: This summer, take a trip to where it's hot, 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 and find yourself on white hot sands beneath a flaming hot sun enjoying a blazing hot summer. Or if that's not an option, take the white hot, blazing hot, or flaming hot fun of summer wherever summer takes you with new June instant games only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly.
4: Could do you right quick cash could do you right you could win some cash in an instant you could win it later that night fun now fun later add quick cash to a drawing game like lotto america cash for life and even tennessee cash add quick cash to any of them and you can win cash in a flash days a day to play quick cash from the tennessee lottery it's game changing fun Ooh. now please play responsibly
0: Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center.
4: I'm Ron Jordan. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigation looking into an officer involved shooting in Murfreesboro. The TBI says a man was shot Sunday morning near West Rutherford Boulevard and South Point Way following a chase. The man apparently displayed a handgun to officers prior to the chase. The man taken to the hospital for treatment of a gunshot wound. No officers were injured. The Bedford County Sheriff's Office says they have arrested a man who fired shots at a car with two adults and two children in it. Officials say that Gilberto Olascoaga of Lewisburg is being charged with four counts of attempted first-degree murder. He's accused of shooting at the car near Whittaker Road and wounding a woman in the head. Olascoaga currently being held on a $2 million bond. The Multi-State Lottery Association says they're adding a third weekly drawing to the Powerball Lottery starting in August. Officials confirmed yesterday they're adding a drawing on Mondays beginning August 23rd with all other aspects of the game, including its matrix, with prize levels and operations remaining the same. Tennessee joined the Powerball in 2004, which currently has two weekly drawings on Wednesdays and Saturdays. The multi-draw option for Powerball will be temporarily suspended after June 16th to prepare for the new weekly drawing. A Brentwood church is remembering seven leaders killed in a plane crash. A service held Saturday at Remnant Fellowship Church. Among the seven people killed in the crash was the founder of Christian diet program The Way Down Workshop, Gwen Shamblin Laura. Their plane crashed on Percy Priest Lake Memorial Day weekend. News on demand 24-7 at WGNSRadio.com or follow us on Twitter at WGNSRadio. I'm Ron Jordan
0: reporting.
4: Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. A few scattered showers and thunderstorms at times this afternoon. Partial sunshine develops. A high in the mid 80s. South winds around five to ten miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's.
5: Yeah, oh yeah I read I read I sat in the truck and read it just now again. Uh, well you I can't pronounce some of the words you read it. But it's uh, it's back now with the ACHP. I, I talked to the Corps one day last week. That shit. No, no. They're the ones that are political appointees. And they received it. And back in February, they talked about uh, the co-saying it's not of historical reference And they had it sent to
3: Hand it back to Truman Jones. Truman, you're National on the air. So
5: that, that is most recent. But now hmm. Truman? Uh, but now it's back to these people. And the Dr. John Evers, who I have spoken with. He's in Washington. Yeah. See this? His idea was that you
3: could just put up a monument to carry it down. Is that going into news? Apparently. Fantastic
5: option. Yeah. I suspect you've gotten to the
1: point where right now...
0: Here at Buds I Tire, we make buying snap. Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Buds Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Buds Tire Pros, hassle free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at Bugsy Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM one hundred point five and one hundred and one point nine, AM fourteen fifty, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Well I want to say hello to my friend Marty Luffman
3: I visited uh, on the telephone with Marty last night and uh, made me feel good because I could hear uh, optimism in his voice that things are going to work out Uh, those of you who've been uh, keeping up with us, keeping up with him, you know he was involved in a bad traffic accident and uh, lost control of his lower body and it's kind of curious that uh, Pain can be a good sign sometimes. He said he's beginning to have some feeling and some pain in his legs, lower body, which is an indication that maybe that uh, spinal injury isn't uh, something permanent. Uh, But, um, Marty, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. Uh, We look forward to getting you back on the show here pretty soon.
2: Got a caller on the line, guys. All right. Caller, welcome aboard. Good morning.
1: Uh, y'all were talking about Speed Cop. Uh, yeah. back in the sixties in Murfreesboro, I remember a gentleman riding around as a kid, riding around, uh, marking the tires on that little three, uh, motorcycle, uh, scooter. He'd mark the tires where he'd park it. Do you know, remember the name of that police officer? He, he was a nice fellow. I can't remember his name. Uh, and I'll let you uh, answer that. Thank you.
3: Well, Smith was the last one that I remember. Wasn't he Mark Tyres?
2: Hey, guys. I don't remember <laughs> either one of these things. I don't remember anybody going around... Marking the tires for what particular reason would they be marking the tires?
3: Parking over time, oh, on
2: the square,
3: yeah. I think they still do it, but uh, they do, yeah.
2: Well, they got the little timers, it's up all there.
3: computerized yeah. now, yeah, yeah. Well, we have been joined by Mr. Mike Waller, which reminds me, I have some correspondence that. Uh, Wanted to share with those who have been keeping up with the controversy about a historic part of the Sam Davis Memorial property. Uh, I've got a letter on the U.S. Department of the Interior letterhead, National Park Service, National Register of Historic Places Division, uh, which has pronounced on the historic significance of the. Uh, the dam there on the property, and uh, I have in my sights Mike Waller, who is the only person I'm aware of, a private citizen, who has occasioned a comment on something in Rutherford County from the U.S. Department of the Interior, <laughs> a cabinet-level position. So you know the squeaky wheel can <laughs> can move things along. But attached, the the letter I've got says that uh, in the opinion of uh, the uh, involved agencies, the dam is eligible for historic classification and it is signed by the keeper of the National Register. Uh, Attached to that are comments on the determination of uh, this uh, historic character. And uh, Mike, you want me to read it and then you can explain to us what more we may know. Uh, the first two paragraphs uh, are are awfully bureaucratic, but let me begin in the middle where they really talk about the uh, uh, history of the property itself. In 1927, <clears throat> the state acquired the Sam Davis home with the intention to save the property and to create a mo- memorial to Sam Davis a Confederate soldier executed by the Union Army as a spy. The property was turned over to the Sam Davis Memorial Association who undertook a concerted effort to improve the property for interpretive and aesthetic reasons. The subject dam was constructed in 1939 at the behest of the Memorial Association as part of this building program along with other resources both interpretive and functional. Slave-dwellings, caretaker, tenant houses. Close <coughs> the farm was to be a working farm which would help sustain the memorial. <coughs> it is unclear whether the dam was constructed for utilitarian purposes associated with operating the farm or for reasons associated with improvements to the farmyard itself. But it is evident that the dam's construction was an important part of the memorial's initial plans for improvements to the memorial. Projects like the memorial's efforts to keep alive the memory of Sam Davis and his role in the Civil War were part of a larger nationwide movement to commemorate and in some instances venerate that era. It also dovetailed with the nascent preservation movement where individual groups and local governments sought to preserve places of the past. So in addition to monuments and memorials to the Civil War, efforts to preserve other vestiges of the past were gaining popularity. From large-scale nationally known projects like Colonial Williamsburg to small-scale efforts like the memorials preservation of the Sam Davis Farm, recognition and celebration of the past was increasingly becoming part of the social history of our nation. Sites such as these became focal points for community pride and tourism and could often serve as educational sites for school children as well as the general public. It is clear that the state of Tennessee wanted to preserve the farm and the story of Sam Davis and his family. It is clear that the memorial had a vision and plan on how to accomplish this. Construction of the dam was part of this plan. It clearly contributes to a significant context related to the memorial movement era under the National Register criteria in the area of social history. The period of significance for this context as related to the Sam Davis House is undefined as of yet, but would reasonably begin in 1927 with the state's acquisition of the property and extends at least through the 1950s as the Memorial Association continued to make improvements for interpretive purposes. It's a lot. It's a lot of words, but I learned uh, that the, uh, what would you say, the history profession, particularly as it relates to the uh, U.S. government, recognizes a memorial uh, period, what they call it, an era of uh, memorial memorializing history. And they even date it from the 1890s until about the 1950s. Uh, And that they view the dam and its construction in 1939 as very much a part of that period of history that should be preserved. Uh, Mike, you're closer to what's actually going on, if anything. Uh, What do we know?
5: Well, as I understand it, uh, last week the Corps of Engineers in Nashville uh, sent this back to the uh, Advisory Council on Historic Preservation uh, to get their, I guess final opinion. Uh, back in uh, February the, the this advisory Council, in so many words, on written here on three pages, agreed with the State Historical Commission and recommended uh, that this be this issue be sent to the keeper of the National Historic Register, and that response is, is what you just read. And in, in summarizing, as, as I see it, the keeper of the National Historical Register agrees with the state historical register that it is of historical significance and should be uh, retained. So, uh, my source there at the Corps of Engineers seemed to think we'd get a response back. Pretty quickly, uh, I, I I would like to think that you know when you've got these three historical agencies, uh, especially two in Washington at that level, that concur with our state historical uh, folks, I, I just uh, I can't imagine uh, how they would do anything to alter the dam. Now, yeah, it, it it appears to me that. There are three options. Number one is to do what the Corps wants to do and destroy the dam. Uh, another option would be just to leave it as it is, mm-hmm. uh, with the the bank on the school side washed out. And the third option would be to try to do some restoration to the dam and stabilize that that. Uh, the last time I was here, I think it was about three weeks ago, and the subject had come up about who built the dam. Yeah. And since then, we have learned that A. Frank Johns, Sr., mm-hmm. who was, I'm assuming, was a neighboring landowner uh, from where his two of his sons live out on Jefferson Pike or Den. Yeah. But this is Ernie's father, who uh, was contracted and paid $775 uh-huh. to, to build the dam handmade dam huh <laughs> right right and you know for, for a facility that was built 80 years ago it's really in, in pretty good shape it, it has some deterioration on the i guess it'd be the west side uh downstream wall mm-hmm. uh, but gosh that thing's probably six or eight feet at the base and it's sitting on solid rock and the, the, the Creek wall on the side of the Sam Davis home is all rock, so it's it's pretty stable. But uh, when we had the flood back in 2010, it eroded out the, the dirt side of the
2: of the dam. Now, how does that affect where we are now with the decisions that have been made that uh, uh, have the mitigation factors in it? I th- I'm. A- Correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, but I think we're just kind of in a holding
5: pattern uh, that the Corps of Engineers has to make a decision back to the State Department of Environment and Conservation. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're the the driving state agency that processed all of the the actions and took the comments and went through the interagency review process. Uh, and that Greg and I went up and, and before an administrative hearing and mm-hmm. testified and did subpoenas, but uh, the the state Department of Environmental Conservation is, is one that's filed that has the application and is waiting on approval or disapproval from the Corps of Engineers. Mm-hmm. And in visiting with uh, an acquaintance I have made at the Corps of Engineers, they're doing all they can to make sure they do the right thing that they thoroughly research it and uh, get the opinions and that's what I'm saying when you have all three uh, recognized historical agencies Mm -hmm. uh, saying that the dam is of historical significance and should be retained I just can't imagine how you know I'd hate somebody to stick a letter in front of me to sign contrary to what the historical professionals are saying. Do,
2: uh, Greg, who will have the authority to look into what's already happened as far as the money passing hands uh, and, and the the, the uh, people who are on the board with the uh, Sam Davis home and uh, also maybe the schools actually involved in, in it also? Um is there any particular uh, um, place of responsibility that they can look into this and and make a decision on maybe it needs to be redone or, or whatever? It, it it's it's a confusing type situation.
3: Well, from the outset, there have been two issues. One is his historic is the dam properly mm-hmm. treated as part of the historic property. And as Mike's pointed out, we now got three opinions, yeah. uh, one state and two at the federal level, that it is. The second is, uh, you know, what's, what's the financial interest? And that I don't think uh, we understand yet. We do know there was a public notice put up by the Tennessee uh, Department of Conservation environment, Mm -hmm. which said the reason for taking out the dam is to generate compensatory mitigation credits, which we know have a significant dollar value and are marketable, and in fact we were told early on that they were going to be sold to local developers and the Tennessee Department of Transportation. And I don't think we've ever really understood what uh, was going on there and what the uh, interest of the Sam Davis Memorial Association was since there was not at least initially any uh, uh, compensation that was going to come back to the Memorial Association Uh, we're hopeful that progress has been made getting some value but uh, not seen or heard anything specific on that recently
2: we have a caller on the line you guys ready to accept a call yeah caller welcome aboard well good morning good morning this is uh
1: steve murphy i'm the president of the sam davis memorial association and um just wanted to touch base with some of the some of the comments that were being made by by greg tucker and and mike waller regarding the the dam first thing i'd like to do is to refer listeners to the uh, wgns website If they will search for SDMA, they will see um, an interview that uh, one of our trustees, who's also a county commissioner, Pettis Reed, uh, did um, recently, and and that's available. The the title of the article is SDMA's View of the Weir Controversy. It is a weir or a low head dam. Uh, And... um, there's also an, a response to uh, what I consider to be a rather biased article that appeared on May 22nd on the WGNS website, but again, I, I appreciate uh, showing both sides of the issue that uh, the, the, the station's done that. Uh, anyway, that's available. I hope that re- that listeners will, will look at that. That was posted on May 25th, and I think Pettis' interview uh, aired that same day. Um, The Sam Davis Memorial Association has never been after any cash value for the removal of the dam. When we started this process in 2015, um, well before Mr. Waller and Mr. Tucker got involved, um, it was always about removing a very real safety concern from our property. Um, uh, Even uh, one of the sons of um, AF Andy Johns, uh, who, who was concerned by what Greg Tucker said on a recent radio show about his father? His father didn't build the dam himself. he He was the engineer who who designed it and then um, was the overseer that had men during the depression era build the dam. Anyway, um, he has come out on our side, basically, he said the dam's past its usefulness and he supports its removal. Another thing that uh, came out, during our meetings with the Rutherford County School Board was that safety issue, and I think that's why the school board voted in support of of the dam being removed. Um, uh, I pointed out, as had, had us read, that Chris Clark, the director of the Rutherford County Emergency Management Agency, went on the record as saying that he wants all of the lowhead dams or weirs from Rutherford County to be removed. If you'll do a search on on the Internet, use the word lowhead dam very soon you'll see the words drowning machines and again I, mr tucker's been on the record of saying well there's not been any any in- incidents any injuries any deaths in the eighty one years that the dam has been there well that's kind of flawed logic in my view because um, uh, i wouldn't if i were greg i wouldn't want it to be on my conscience if someone did die there in the future because that dam is left the way it is today so um... Again, uh, just wanted to point out that the State Historic Preservation Officer's um, Office uh, is now working with the Army Corps of Engineers. The, the text of what I'll call a second mitigation sign for the weirs or dams removal um, uh, is one that I wrote, and then their office modified somewhat. Um uh, it's gonna cost the money to put up a permanent sign there to indicate where the dam was, but then that's money that seven years down the road in terms of those mitigation credits that will turn into cash in seven years standard practice. Uh that's money that won't come to Rutherford County Schools or to the Sam Davis Memorial Association. I think there are actually two different signs that are, are proposed in this process. So um again this is a different mitigation process than the original mitigation banking, to which Greg referred a while ago. But, uh, I, um, again, it's always been safety for us. Uh, and and we, when we found out that there could be funds available after seven years, that standard period that everybody uses across the country, uh, then that was just great news to us. Uh, we certainly wouldn't, were, we're not pursuing that because we needed the extra money we you know we we actually went through a year and a half process with the with the um state historical commission to to get permission to sell up to four acres of our land to generate funds uh so we certainly weren't after any money from the dams removal during that time
2: okay
3: Thank you, Steve. I do encourage anyone at all interested to try to understand both sides uh, of the argument. Uh, on one point, though, there was no way that anybody in the public could have known until that public notice went up uh, in uh, January, or February of last year, and that's when Mike uh, first became aware of what was going on. Uh, that's that's I, I'm I reminded. That's correct. I'm reminded of uh, another uh, mystery and a site that apparently has disappeared. Does anybody remember Sugar Camp Hollow community a few miles north of Kittrell? Nobody around here apparently has no, heard of the Sugar no. Camp Hollow, and yet we've got some Kittrell connections. Yeah. Uh, that is alleged by some to have been the hiding place of the James gang back in the 70s and 80s when they were being
2: pursued. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: And uh, I was revisiting some things and uh, reminded of how we have that story and it ties in with the Uncle Dave Macon family. Seems like, remember Uncle Dave had seven sons, seven boys. Uh, One of them uh, whose name was Esten gray macon somehow or another he had the nickname of Doad. d-o-a-d uh... compared to his brothers i found one description relatively intellectual early early bald and blind or nearly blind in one eye but he finished uh, some formal schooling and uh... became a preacher and a teacher and wrote uh... quite often for a local publication Back in uh, 1941, before the start of the war, Dode wrote an article that appeared in the uh, Rutherford Courier where he told of an old uh, black resident up in this Sugar Camp Hollow uh, hosting the James Boys on several occasions. Now, the James Boys... Time when they were uh, pursued was mostly the 1870s into the early 1880s. So when I started doing just a likely uh, lifetime expectancy, the black fellow would have to have been well past 100 years old to have spoken to Dode. But what I believe Dode was trying to convey was a story he had gotten from a third party, attributed to. Fate, Uncle Fate Jennings, the name of the old horse swapper and his wife who lived in the Sugar Hollow community. And uh, taking the time period, I thought, well, there's no other record other than Dode's uh, article about it in the newspaper. Uh, I went to the writings, the history of the James Gang, And it is well established that they were in Nashville as Mm -hmm. their base for a number of years. But when you read through the documentation, there are two gaps. And one of the gaps is when they got uh, concerned that the law was closing in on them and they would disappear. This is in the late 1870s. And there's no record of where they were during that period of several months Mm. in the late 1870s. And coincidentally, or maybe as we would expect, that time period would coincide with the time period that uh, uh, Mr. Jennings would have been talking about in the Sugar Camp Hollow community. Uh, So it's interesting how there's no history of the activity in Rutherford County, but by looking at the gaps and the voids in the history and the notation that apparently they went into hiding uh, parallels the story that was being passed down uh, through uh, Dode Macon uh,
2: Was his name Howard at the time? Howard James? No His last name was Howard uh, Whose last name? Jesse James His last name was Howard Oh is that right? The dirty little coward that shot Mr. Howard Forward. Ford <laughs> Okay,
3: (laughs) got you. Now, we do know that there was uh, a connection that is documented in some family uh, uh, histories that uh, Frank James spent time down with uh, his wife's cousin Mm -hmm. in the Eagleville area, in the community there, and uh, we even know that uh, the uh, family, what's his name, Homer, No help. The family has a pistol that they allege belonged to Frank James. Yeah. Because he left it as he went through on another, avoiding the uh, law enforcement, and left it uh, with the uh, indication that he had come back by, and would they please hold it for him. My guess is it probably was a hot property that he didn't want to be identified with at the time. He didn't come back. And the pistol, it's pictured in one of my books. I believe my fourth book, Rutherford Reflections, is still in the family. So, yeah, interesting little mysteries in our local history.
2: It is. It certainly is. So, uh, what's the next direction we go, Mike? I I think we just have to wait on the uh, advisory council
5: out of Washington. Yeah. To respond back to the core, and then uh, see how they respond back to the state. Yeah, I don't know that anything that that anyone else could do is just a matter of letting them, the bureaucrats, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, decide what's the best interest.
2: Well, you know, as much work has been spent with everybody working on this thing. I think the least. Can be done is let everybody know everything that's gone on with this particular situation, and and uh, uh, that's one of the, the the really trademarks of Smyrna is the, is that uh, uh, Sam Davis home, and, and it's a major part sure. of the history that goes on or has gone on in our community. So I think it was it's um, it's it's something that that. Uh, people in the community uh, who uh, have such a love for our community here in Rutherford County and the history of it. I think everybody would like to know just exactly what has happened and who all is in, uh, involved. And, and uh, um, you know, that, that's not a big deal uh, as far as um, what the history of, of that place, you know, what it really means to us and, and uh, what is exactly happening with all the things that are involved, as far as um, you know, who who shot John? I guess.
5: Well, and there's an awful lot of former uh, citizens, or not former citizens, but former members of the board and volunteers. Yeah. That have spent untold hours uh, out there on leading. Field trips and mm-hmm. farm days, educating uh, young people uh, that still have a you know a keen interest. They may not be yeah. as involved as, as they once were, but there's a lot of people that have
2: uh, done a lot of great things out there. Yeah, yeah. It means a lot to the community.
3: Well, when it's all worked out, we'll either have a preserved dam or we'll have a marker uh, which will tell the history. And I hope one of the things we'll have in the public record a copy of a, what's been called a memorandum of understanding regarding the financial aspects of these mitigation credits. Yeah.
5: Well, and I, I shared with a um, friend with the Corps. I said, I think the markers is, is a great idea. hmm Whether the dams there or not, it needs to be documented. The the history of the dam. Yeah. So uh, he he liked that idea, and I don't know. The process on historical markers and all that. Marty's, Marty's up to speed on that, but uh, that's something else that
2: I'm glad to hear will be looked at. Yeah. Well, we're out of time, guys. Where's time go? Yeah, it goes too fast. All right, we will see you in the morning at 9 o'clock. How, Larry and Bobby Stewart tomorrow.
3: Thank you, Truman. Always, Thank you. Always
0: great.